is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 495, recorded on Thursday, September the 3rd, 2020. Holy moly, Jason, it's September. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Are you sure? Are you sure it's September? Well. It feels like September. It feels like, you know, mid-April. It should be still mid-April, right? It should be. You know, if, if we can all just go back to February and like redo the last six months that might be okay you know that yeah. that might be all right but man yeah. september i think this year 2020 is the best example of a year i've ever experienced in my life where sometimes it feels like the days are taking forever but the months are just flying by yeah for sure you know we're in september yeah. already last thing i knew it was march and yeah i, mean, I was this occurred to me the uh, the other day. Remember about uh, I, it's probably about fifty or sixty years ago. Yeah, that uh, you were you were in uh, Florida. Yeah, you it went was, for a trip to Florida. It was at least fifty years ago. Yeah, yeah, it must have been right. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of shit going on this year. A lot of shit, and it's screwed a lot of things up. But boy, it's a wacky year. I can't believe it's September. We are going into Labor Day. This weekend, which I guess is good, long weekend for most mm-hmm. people. So that'll be nice, right? But yep. at the same time, can, you know, there are people all over the place that can't really go out and do much on Labor Day because of, well, the obvious reasons. Yeah. So that well, sucks. Pretty messed up. You know what, you know what a, a short or a long weekend means to me? Uh, one extra work day until work comes back or... <laughs> One extra weekend, uh, weekend day. What it means to me is that next week I have four days to complete what I normally would have five days to do. Right. Because the train does not stop. That sucks, man. That sucks. No, but you're right. The train doesn't stop. Uh, but neither does the podcast. So, uh, so that's okay. Podcast must go on. The podcast must go on. Well, that's what we're here to do tonight. And we are going to cover the final two episodes of The Twilight Zone for season two, and uh, then after that, of course, a reminder of what we're going to do next week. But first, I want to read an email here from Mike in Syracuse. Mike writes, Amazing Walking Dead lines. Glenn, season one, episode one. Hey, you dumbass. Yeah, you in the tank. Cozy in there? (laughs) And then Rick, season one, episode two. There's us and the dead. We survive by pulling together, not apart. Nice. And now, Jason on the Talking Dead podcast, episode 494. Coming down and going, ag, 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 ag. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was the aliens, right? From, from uh, Mars Mark? Attacks? Yeah, that's right. But uh, Mike and Syracuse thought that was one of your all-time <laughs> best lines. And, you know, I'm not going to disagree with them because I'm going to play it again. Coming down and going, ag, 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 ag. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it ranks up there with some of the all-time greatest lines from the show, too. So. I, I speak Martian. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's right. <laughs> I taught uh, my son the word grok. You know the word grok? Yes, of course. Yeah, from Robert A. Heinlein, Stranger in a Strange Land. It's okay. Martian, uh-huh. and it literally means to drink. And he's uh, he was telling me 
whatever he was telling me, he's like, do you understand, daddy? Like, yeah, I grok what you're saying. What does grok mean? So I explained to him. So I taught him his first word in Martian today. Well, that's, that's really great of you. Next, you should do Klingon and then maybe French. I don't know any Klingon. What? You might learn French, but I, uh, I don't know any, any Klingon. I've never learned. Huh. Interesting. I'm a little surprised. You know, he might, he could speak Elvish, right? Sure. Tolkien wrote languages. He he could speak Elvish. I think so. I, do you know any of that? Not a word. Okay. Well, then you better get, better get on that, man. You have to learn it first and then teach him. (laughs) Uh, maybe the other way around. All right. Good idea. Good idea. Anyways, thanks, Mike, for sending that in. That was funny. All right. Let's get into it, Jason. We're here to talk about the Twilight Zone, so that means I got to play this first. You are now traveling through a dimension of imagination. You just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. That's right. We have crossed over into the Twilight Zone. This is Season 2, Episode 9 of the Twilight Zone. The episode is called Try, Try, and it stars Topher Grace and Kylie Bunbury. And IMDb had this to say about the episode, A man dazzles a woman with his seemingly miraculous abilities, but their encounter takes a dark turn when the true source of his charisma is revealed. And then Jordan Peele introduced the episode as such. You might say that Claudia King has found herself on a kind of blind date. One set up not by friend, family, or co-worker. This is a match neither made in heaven nor the internet, but in the far darker web of the Twilight Zone. That is right. So we have Claudia and we have Mark. And basically to start this episode off, Claudia is kind of distracted by her phone. She's making notes in it. She's a student and she almost steps out in front of a truck, but Mark, on his way to the museum, pulls her back and saves her. They end up getting to know each other as they browse around the museum together. And as it turns out, some unusual things start happening. And he reveals to her that he's stuck in a time loop and has basically had thousands of attempts to get this day right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's groundhog, she, he groundhog dayed her. Right. Well, I want to talk about the concept of the time loop for a little bit. Because I feel like time loop movies and shows have almost become a genre of their own. Because when I started thinking about it, obviously we have Groundhog Day. That Mm -hmm. maybe wasn't the first, but it's the first one I think of and first one most people think of. Um, Recently, I watched Palm Springs, the uh, Andy Samberg movie, I think on Hulu. Um, Also involving a time loop, new movie. I don't, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, great film, actually. I recommend it. Really? Uh, There's another show called, uh, or sorry, a movie, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day 2 recently were time loops. We have Edge of Tomorrow. We've got Russian Doll, the Netflix show, which is a time loop. Oh, spoiler. Probably. What the hell, man? Probably lots more. And then there's this. The Star Trek. There was a Star Trek episode about a causality loop. Okay, uh, I'm from actually... Star Trek Next Generation. Sorry for, for those that are yelling at their uh, podcast yeah. devices at the moment. Uh, so the Enterprise, like the in, during the cold open, there was always a cold open in Star Trek, right? They'd play some stuff and then jump into the credits uh, opening sequence. So during the cold open, at it just it was just went from point A to point B to point B point C to the Enterprise blowing up, like it just exploded and everybody died. Mm-hmm. And then they cut to the opening scene, and then it starts all over. And then it just keeps going from there. So it was, uh, 
So there's a Star Trek episode to add to that. Well, I'm, but, I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Russian Doll. Yes. I was looking forward to watching that. I had no idea what that was about. Now you're telling me it's about a fucking time loop. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's worth watching from what I've heard. I haven't seen it either, to be honest with you, but uh, I have heard some people that really enjoyed it. And even if you know that, I think it will be a good watch. Yeah, because we've all been pretty much stuck in a time, well, not all of us, but it feels like we've been in a time loop for quite some time. Well, yeah, actually just talking about that earlier, uh, it kind of does in a way. But my point is just that it seems like this is a pretty common uh, storytelling device uh, or has been over the years. And so this is kind of another entry into that genre, if you will. And I think I liked it quite a bit and the way they used it here. And I had to think about it a little bit, but I feel like, at least from what I've seen, it uses the idea of a time loop in a little bit of a unique way because it the show tells us he's stuck in a time loop, but really only shows us the one day. We, yes, we so get, it's, it's taken from the different perspective, right? Uh, yeah. Usually we get from, the, from whoever's going through the time loop, we get their perspective. And, you know... To distinguish between these these time loops, like uh, Groundhog Day, he was aware that he was going through the time loop. But in the Star Trek episode, they weren't aware that they were going through a time loop. Okay. If eventually we're able to, you know, send messages between one loop and another, which allowed them to figure out what the fuck. But uh, in this one, he's aware that he's going through a time loop. But we get it from her perspective. Uh, you know, in Groundhog Day, he goes through this this whole kind of uh, day after day after day after day. And he, then he tries to get the girl and we see that progression of learning about her and trying to, uh, manipulate her into having a relationship into having that perfect day. Uh, so we see it from his perspective, whereas in this show, we see it from her perspective. I was watching and I'm like, what? Uh, I was just, it was just enjoying the, the episode. And all of a sudden his watch goes off and he goes, excuse me. And he catches a water bottle that's flying through the air. Right. I'm like, oh, fucking time loop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? it, it, they don't, they don't disguise it really. I mean, I think it's because we've seen so many other episodes and shows or, or movies that, that use time loops, right? That's the first thing I thought of too. It's like, oh, he knows what's happening. So he's done this before. Right. And this kind of leads into uh, talking about different shows that have uh, time loops. I even mentioned uh, just another, just a perfect day or another perfect day or whatever that story was last uh, episode. Right. A short story. Um, that is very similar. Like the guy is going through a time loop. It's, it's, it's not quite, uh, you know, space time continuum thing. It's that he doesn't have any memories after that day. After he falls asleep, his memories are completely erased and he wakes up brand new again. Mm-hmm. So he goes through that day over and over and over again. Not, so he's the only one who doesn't know that he's going through the day. Everybody else is aware. It's right. like that 51st dates, which is another time loop type of uh, movie. Oh yeah. Remember that one with Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler's eyebrows, Adam Sandler. Yeah. So the 51st dates, it's the, it's again, another play on that kind of genre. It kind of is. Yeah. Uh, just incidentally, that story you mentioned last week is available in its entirety online and you sent it to me and I read yeah. it and I should have posted it in, you know, the notes maybe with this, with that episode. So if you can dig that up again, maybe I'll post it yeah. with, uh, sure. with this episode because it was a, it was a good quick short read. Um, but yeah, so you're, you're absolutely right. So we're getting the perspective of the person who's not in the time loop instead of the one who is, which is unusual because 
you know, all or most of the other time loop stuff I've seen is always the person going through it. So you see them wake up every day and try different things. And, you know, then you always have a montage of, of them trying things and failing or succeeding or whatever. Here, we get her perspective. We do get a few flashes back to different attempts by Mark to do different things, but it's not really the same. It's not, it's, it's really more for the benefit of the audience than it is for anything else. We're not seeing him go through it. They're yeah. just trying to reinforce the fact that he's done this over and over again and, you know, learned what he needs to do, even down to like the timing of certain things, like getting her at the right time before she steps in front of the truck or catching the water bottle or whatever. Um, but, but the other thing I found was interesting is that Mark, who's in the time loop in this episode, he doesn't seem to want to get out of the loop. He has no interest in, in getting out of it or stopping it, which is another difference, I think, from most other time loop stories. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. One, uh, I agree with you. Uh, he doesn't seem to want to get out of this. Without that other body of work where we know what a time loop is, we've all seen Groundhog Day, we've all seen all these other shows, uh, without that information in our heads, this episode might not have made much sense, right? Because being from her perspective, uh, I'm not sure. You know, it was immediately apparent what was happening and that it was uh, what was going on from his perspective. Mm -hmm. and it was easy for us to understand. I think that's because this is a genre on, on its own kind of, uh, you know, we've had many, many examples of this time loop kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's okay though. Like it. Yeah, it's fine. It, I think it was almost necessary. Yeah, almost. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it relying on other material uh, in a way. Or, or it's certainly taking influence of stuff for us to figure it out. But, um, uh, yeah. And the, and the other, the other thing is that, uh, he said when he first introduced himself, he said his name was Mark with a C. Yep. And in my mind, his name has been Kark ever since. So <laughs> every time you say Mark, my brain switches it to Kark. So it's C-A-R-K. That's right. Mark with a C. <laughs> Kark. <laughs> yeah. Why not? You know, <laughs> that, uh. Makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. It's Mark with a C. <laughs> All right. So we've got Claudia and Kark and yep. they're going, they go to the museum. <laughs> and that's probably not his real name. Right? Uh, no, probably not. As we, we find out because everything he does in this episode is designed to try and I guess convince her to fall in love with him. Manipulate her to fall in love with him. Well, no, that is absolutely the right word. Um, yeah. totally. That's what he's doing. Uh, but if you ask him what he's doing, he doesn't really see it the same way, you know, things no. go bad at the end and Kark reveals himself to be a really bad guy. You know, he does some terrible things. He, he decides that the day isn't going very well. And that means, and since it's only going to repeat for him, he can do anything he wants. He can, yeah. he can hurt her. He can, you know, say cruel things to her. It doesn't matter. And it's all going to start over again. Yeah, and to just be clear, you said Kark, right? I didn't just switch that in my own mind. No, I said Kark because okay, I like good. the idea of it's Mark with a <laughs> Mark with a C, so it's Kark. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what he's doing is, you know, he's taking it from the stalker's perspective, right? I've put so much work into this relationship that you don't know about. It's like, well, that fucking doesn't matter at all, dickhead. It's like, not at all. No. Uh, you know, it's all from your perspective. Uh, if it was a relationship, then maybe, but it's absolutely not a relationship. And what you're doing is stalking and a crime. 
Of course. And it never can be a relationship either, right? I mean, assuming you or, or figure, you know, if you believe that you can't really form a relationship over a one day period, I mean, yeah. a certain kind of relationship can be formed, I suppose. But sure. You can, you can, you know, plant the seed of a fantastic, wonderful relationship yeah. in a single meeting, yeah. but it's got to have time to grow. You can't have the whole relationship, especially if it's one-sided. You can't have the whole relationship in one day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so he's, he's manipulating her and I guess over the thousands of repetitions, some days it's gone better, some days it's gone worse. And one, one thing I really liked about this episode is that it starts out going quite well. Now, obviously we find out it's because he's practiced it a thousand times, but from my perspective watching it, I was watching this and I was thinking, oh, what a great couple. They seem to be getting along really well. They're really hitting it off. Yeah. But the whole time, knowing what I know about, even before I realized it was a time loop, but knowing what I know about storytelling and TV and the Twilight Zone, I had this feeling of dread in the back of my mind the whole time going, this is just going too well. Something terrible is going to happen here. I don't know what it is yet, but something bad is coming along. And I sort of enjoyed that feeling which I know sounds weird, but, um, what I'm trying to say is I think the episode did a good job of walking the line between showing us something that really nice was unfolding, but kind of seeding in or relying on our brain's tendency to go, oh, something's going to go bad here. And at least it worked yeah. for me. And I think this is, uh, you know, tougher grace gets a bad rap a lot of the time in, uh, you know, look at Spider-Man. <laughs> Right? Sure. His, uh, but I think that this nice guy with a creepy edge is right up his alley. <laughs> the, he has to lean into this for the rest of his career, or maybe not the rest of it, but for a good while until he gets to be an old man and then he can branch out again. Sure. Right. Because he's got to get away from that. But he's he's done this before. Black Klansman, uh, when his role in Black Klansman was, uh, was really good, it was really well done. Mm hmm. Uh, just being this guy that, um, you know, is supposed to be, or appears to be uh, a nice, genuine dude, you know, affable, good looking, uh, very, you know, charming, but fucking creepy as hell and doing bad, bad things. Eventually. Yeah. But for, and I totally agree with that. I made a note here that this is one of my favorite things that I've ever seen Topher Grace in. I forgot about Black Klansman cause that is a damn good movie. But yep. it's good for a lot of reasons, not just Topher Grace. Absolutely. But um, he's he's great here. I think that um, Kylie Bunbury, who plays Claudia, is also great, born in Hamilton, Ontario. Incidentally, oh, the hammer. Just yep. down the road from us. But I think she's also great. Um, and, and yeah, so like that's what sold it for me early on. Um, but you're right. He has this creepy edge. And the the point at which it really takes a turn is when he takes the paddle off the wall and starts swinging it around and then yep. he taps her on the ass with it. I'm like, there you go. He, he just went from yep. Mr. Charming Kark to sexual assault, Kark. inappropriate sexual assault Kark. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and, and that, that was the turning point. And you're like, oh my God, he just went over the line and what's going to happen now. Right. Yeah. And <sighs> If he, and he said it early on that he's living a consequence consequence free life, 
right? There's no consequences. He said he's died and he's woken up the next morning. He's killed and he's woken up the next morning. Yep. Uh, there's absolutely no consequences. You know, how would it feel if you and I or anybody out there uh, had, was having a really crappy day and you just went, fuck it, and started murdering a whole bunch of people, right? There's consequences to that shit. You, and we have a social contract not to do that. But if you are living in a, in a reality where there are no consequences, the the downside to, you know, flipping that switch and just going absolutely batshit crazy and start murdering people, uh, would more people do it? If, if there were no consequences? If there were no consequences. Well, I mean, that's a huge um, philosophical question, right? Do people, are people inherently good or do they act good because the consequences of doing bad things exist? Yes. That's a question I think that smart people have been asking themselves for a very long time. And uh, will good people do bad things because that's socially acceptable or encouraged even? Mm -hmm. Uh, there was, uh, damn it. I'm trying to think of the movie. Uh, there was a movie about this guy who did, uh, uh, a dramatization of a real life guy who did some research on whether or not, uh, people will do things that they know are wrong if they're encouraged to do so and are, uh, and it's couched in a, uh, a stable way of doing it. Like the people would go into a room and they would have this device where they would, uh, press buttons and, uh, they would hear a shock being given to somebody else in another room and they would scream. The person would scream because they got an answer wrong or whatever. So they would press this button and they would be told, you know, this is a scientific experiment, every experiment, everything's fine. You go ahead and press the button and press the button and it would shock somebody and he press the button. It would shock harder and harder and harder. Uh, but the, he wanted to see how far somebody would go knowing they were hurting somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, but because it's couched in a scientific experiment and that they were being, uh, let off the hook by, uh, somebody taking notes, uh, you know, how far it would go. This was a real life experiment. Now, as it turns out, the guy that was being shocked was not actually being shocked. He was an actor pretending to be shocked. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so nobody was actually hurt, but, uh, it was a very interesting movie. I, f I wish I could remember the name of it at the moment. Well, it sounds but, familiar uh, to me. I mean, as a, as a experiment, right. Uh, to, to figure out what people will do. And it, it reminds me. That's it. It's called the experiment. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but it reminds me of that, again, that, uh philosophical question of you're, no. you're handed a button and told if you press this button, you will receive a million dollars, but somebody you don't know will die. Do you press the button? Yeah. And you know, do people have to decide what's more important to them, <laughs> the money or a stranger's life? Interesting question. The uh, experiment is a, a movie about uh, people giving, uh, this was a famous kind of thought experiment uh -huh. that if you uh, put some, so put a bunch of people in prison and you randomly make half of them guards and half of them prisoners, what would happen? And the guards would go crazy and start, you know, torturing the prisoners. And as it turns out, it was not real. Like it never really happened. Right. Uh, it, they pretended it happened kind of thing. It, but it's, everybody thinks, hey, people are inherently evil, given them power and consequence-free environments, they'll turn to evil little fucking bastards. Yeah. But I don't think that that's necessarily true. Well, maybe not. In the not. case of Grace, in this particular show, it is true. It, it is true, yeah. And uh, um, to further that scene I was talking about where he smacks her with the paddle, immediately following it, he says something like, I knew you'd like that, which, which <laughs> number one... 
is if you hadn't figured it out already, that's sort of, or maybe they'd even said it. Oh, they, we knew by this point in the episode that he was in a time loop, I think. But if for some reason you hadn't, that would have put you on that path. Um, but, uh, either way, it's just, it's him going, you know, just totally disrespecting her. And as, you know, as the sort of episode plays out from here, he just gets worse and worse. He reveals sort of that he doesn't even consider her real because it's all going to start over again. He can do whatever he wants. He says he could even kill her. Um, and in the end he, he gets, he starts to get violent. And he threatens her with violence. But uh, you know what? They turn it around a little bit and she ends up kicking his ass pretty handily, I thought, which <laughs> yeah. which I have to say was super satisfying. I mean, I, I, I've never enjoyed watching someone get punched in the face four or five times more than <laughs> Topher Grace in this episode. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was quite satisfying and, you know? uh, and very nice. So anyways, that's and the movie what, was called, in case you're wondering, the movie's called The uh, Experimenter with Peter Sarsgaard and Winona Ryder from oh, 2015. Peter Sarsgaard. So, cool. I actually recommend this movie. It was uh, Jim Gaffigan that was pretending to be shocked in the other room. Okay. So he's it's uh, a good watch. He's He's been in the news lately. For what? Uh, for, I think it was him, for going on a rant on Twitter, uh, an anti-Trump rant on Twitter. Okay. And that, of course garnered a lot of support from the people that support him and some dissent from people who don't. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. I thought maybe he was, you know, sexually assaulting people. No, 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 no. I'd he, be very upset because that's so against his brand. No, he of, didn't. You he know, didn't, the nice family man guy. Right. Nothing. Six kids. Nothing like that. He just expressed his opinion, which is completely okay. fair. Is, is my favorite joke of his, so we can go down slightly more of a rat hole, was that when he had his fourth baby, he, when he was doing his stand-up, it's like you have, oh, no, it was his fifth baby. He said, it's like when you, uh, having a fifth baby is like you're in a pool and you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's why I stopped it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Before we move on, I just want to talk about the end, the very, very end real quick here. What we see is the opening scene again, basically, where... Claudia is on the sidewalk, maybe about to step in front of this truck, and presumably this is the next loop, or maybe one at some point later on in the future. Uh, Mark makes no effort to enter Claudia's life. He looks at her from down the road and then kind of just turns away. So what's the episode implying here, Jason, that he's learned his lesson or that he's just taken a day off? Uh, neither. I think that, uh, there's a whole world of people out there to manipulate. <laughs> you know, if this doesn't, didn't work out, left a bad taste in your mouth, just move on to somebody else. Well, that's the darkest interpretation probably. That was my interpretation. What does that tell you? Yeah. Well, it could be. I guess that's the third option. Like, yeah, he's decided to move on to somebody else, but I was hoping in my heart that he had learned a lesson and he was like, you know what? I'm no longer going to torment this woman. I'm going to move on and do something else at the very least do something else hopefully be a better person yeah you know set your watch to uh to timer and go around saving people all day long and if we learned any from anything from groundhog day when you spend uh, forty thousand years in a time loop you know you try and save as many people as you can sure <laughs> why not i mean if you're <laughs> it makes sense save people's lives so much better idea and learn the piano Oh yeah, become a and 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 memorize all the answers on Jeopardy or the questions. 
Well, that one's easy, right? Yeah, that's, that's just true. TV, <laughs> right? There's what, 60 questions on Jeopardy? No problem. So yeah, no problem. All right. Well, I really like this episode. I, I think I really enjoy these sort of small cast talkie talkie episodes where it's just two characters. I, I thought they did a fantastic job with this one. Time loops obviously aren't the most um, unique uh, story settings, but they did a good job with this and took a slightly different approach to it. So remember last week when I said, I really hope the final two episodes of the season really rat ramp it up and are really strong so far. I'm happy with, with this one. Good. Me too. All right. Twilight Zone season two, episode 10. It's the season finale. This one is called you might also like it stars Gretchen Mole, Greta Lee, Gil Bellows, Colleen Camp, Donna Dixon, and George Takai. Yeah. There you go. It's true. Uh, IMDb describes it like this. A stay-at-home housewife is looking forward to acquiring a heavily marketed device that promises to make everything better forever, but the product has an unsavory truth. And Jordan Peele had this to say. Submitted for your approval, Mrs. Janet Warren, a woman who would seem to have everything, every thing. But possessions have weight. We can't carry them all at the same time, especially when taking an unscheduled trip into the Twilight Zone. So there you go, an unscheduled trip into the Twilight Zone. And you know what? I think this is one of the most Twilight, Z- Twilight Zone-y episodes of this season of the Twilight Zone. It was pretty Twilight zone Yeah, exactly. And like... So, so it, it calls back to an original Twilight Zone episode from the original series, which uh, you may or may not understand yet. Um, and I, w- I wasn't surprised to see that because season one in the season finale did something similar. Uh, I won't go into it, but it did it kind of a similar thing. So I wasn't surprised to see them really go really heavy twilight zone for this episode but the basic idea here is that we follow janet played by gretchen mall who lives in a society where it seems like everybody has everything they want and then we're introduced to this idea of something called the egg which represents a new thing that everyone is going to get that is supposed to make everything okay it's, it's for, the new forever. thing forever. It's the new thing that everybody wants. They all want it. Nobody even knows what it is. And it's kind of just a symbol of extreme consumerism, I guess. Right. M- new thing must have, must have now. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. You know, I've been victim of that particular, uh, affliction. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think so anymore, which is nice. Uh, I guess. I didn't know Gretchen Maul was in this episode because I never look up, I never research anything about the episodes before I watch them. And it took me a while, but as soon as she started talking, I'm like, holy fuck, is that Gretchen Maul? <laughs> it was. Well, what do you I know really her like from? Her. I know her from all kinds of stuff. I know her from uh, Boardwalk Empire. She was a big, had a big role in Boardwalk Empire. There was a movie where, or TV show where the protagonist went back to the 70s as a police officer. Mm. What was the name of that? I'll have to look that up. I don't know. I, I mean, I know her name, but I, I couldn't think of anything oh. she was in. Life on Mars. So the idea is this uh, police officer in the, in the 2000s or whatever. Uh, it's based on a British show. 
all of a sudden wakes up and he's in the seventies and he's a police officer yeah. uh, and he has to deal with that shit. And she's also a, a police officer in the seventies, but you know, being a woman police officer in the seventies, uh, she gets shit on a lot. Oh, I can imagine. I've, I've seen her in many, many things over the years. Well, there you go. So she, she's in this, uh, pretty unusual episode. The other thing that's happening is Janet is experiencing some lost time. So mm-hmm. she kind of blacks out. She wakes up in her bed, in her bedroom, fully clothed. Um, and so she's trying to figure out what's going on and she starts to, um, her, her experiences of losing time starts to make her question her desire for the egg, one thing. Um, and you know, she starts to do some experiments and figure things out. She takes a baby monitor and places it in her room and it captures her, which really looked like Hal, Hal 9000. Oh yeah. I'm like, <laughs> shut up and take my money. Like absolutely. If that was, this was an actual product, uh, I would be once again, victim to the, uh, you know, the blind consumerism of, you know, having a particular product. I, I was like, yeah, you know, here's some cash. Like, who do I give this cash to, to get one of those awesome, awesome fucking cameras? That's really hilarious because the whole episode is about that. And then they put something in the episode that makes you feel it. Right. That's great. Yeah. The irony is, 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 is awesome. It's it's amazing. Yes, absolutely. I really want that product. Well, so she places it there and she captures, well, she captures something weird in the night. Basically she unconscious, she's unconscious and she kind of floats across the room and out the window. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty dramatic. It was. So she tethers herself with an actual tether ball, tether, to a piece of furniture so that the next time it happens, the furniture gets stuck in the window because it's too big to fit out the window. And she ends up stuck in the tree just outside her house. And that's when we discover that she's being abducted by aliens, specifically yeah. aliens called the Canimates who are aliens from an original Twilight Zone episode called To Serve Man. Oh, I see. Okay. So those aliens, the big-headed guys who talk telepathically and share a hive mind are called the Canimates, and they've appeared before. But you had no idea when you watched it, right? No, I had no idea what they were. I thought they were interesting with their with their hive mind. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this episode in particular... Uh, every other episode, I've had an inkling of what the hell was going on, right? I had callbacks <laughs> to, uh, you know, I figured it out in the first, you know, due to hints that were given to me early on in the episode. Yeah. Or if they weren't, uh, a lot of the episodes didn't have that kind of structure to it. It wasn't trying to hint or hide anything. This one, for a long time, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. And I found that very interesting. The uh, the tone of the visuals was all like blue and white. Like every, and every... Not a single person was not wearing yoga pants in this friggin' show. Everybody wears yoga pants. Everybody, except all the women. All the I'm not even sure of the men. There were men in this episode, but uh, were they not showing much. them from the waist down? No, because we, we see a scene um, where, well, interspersed throughout the episode is some, what are supposed to be TV commercials, right? For the yep. egg and stuff like that. And um, Janet actually envisions herself in these commercials when she's unconscious. And one of them includes her husband and two sons, but they're sitting down. So I don't know that we see them from the waist down, but yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know if they have yoga pants on too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the visual tone, the color tone or the color palette of this was very interesting. It didn't occur to me that they would use that to their advantage later on, but they absolutely did. And then we f- had our first splash of red when that occurred. It was very visually striking. Right. Right. Cause it was the first time we've seen a color other than the commercials had like brown tones and stuff, but everything here, everything in the show was like gray blue and white. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we had red and it was blood, a bloody mist Mm -hmm. that just kind of got onto everything. I thought that was very striking of the episode. Yeah, that's right. No, that's a really good point. I I hadn't really thought about that, but I agree with you that on a first viewing of this, I had a difficult time figuring out what was going on. Like I sort of understood it by the end, but a second viewing of this one really helped me put it all together. And I really picked up on the themes of, you know, the new product must have consumerism themes and stuff like that. And what the, what the aliens are doing, and they basically just say it, they just reveal what's, what they're trying to do, but what they were doing came together much more clearly for me the second time I watched it. So this one really, really deserves a second viewing if, if, if you want, but um, but I agree the first time it was a little bit like you're so distracted by the environment and the sort of weirdness to it all that it's hard for me. It was difficult to follow along with the plot details or like the first time. Yeah, I, I think that's, this is where the episode kind of falls apart a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. I think it was a, a little bit messy as far as, um, the plot structure. So what I mean by that is that, uh, the idea I got from Gretchen Maul's home and lifestyle and her neighbors and their lifestyle was that it was not real, that it was, it's, it seemed like it reminded me of the ending of 2001, A Space Odyssey. If I may spoil a science fiction movie from 1969. Well, everyone just get ready in case you don't want that spoiled. Jason's about to do it. Yeah. So the guy, uh... I'm not even sure the guy's name. Speaking of HAL 9000, right? Bowman. So this Dave is Bowman, right? Dave Bowman, yeah. So speaking of HAL 9000, right? This, which kind of that HAL, having that HAL imagery in there also lent me to believe that this was happening. Was that when Dave Bowman goes through the wormhole, it's full of stars, and he goes through the uh, uh, the monolith, and he wakes up in a room, and he's an old man, and the room is human-like, mm-hmm. but isn't right. The light is coming from the floors. Everything is over opulent. It's obviously a set uh, that aliens think that would help humans feel at home. Yeah. Right. But it's not because it's, it's done by aliens and they don't quite get it. This is, it reminded me of that. So we had the HAL 9000 and everything's not quite right. Everything's got blue tones and uh, the information that she's getting is she's losing time. Uh, she, you know, being abducted by aliens on a regular basis, I thought she's in a lab, mm. right? I thought she was a lab experiment, uh, by these aliens. Even the commercials were a bit odd, right? Yeah. Like, what that, what is immolate? And then let's go to the immolationatorium, whatever that room, that place was called, where you can light shit on fire. Yep. I mean, first of all, again, shut up and take my money, <laughs> right? <laughs> I wouldn't want to burn people, but if you could go someplace and set crap on fire. 
I think that might be a good for an afternoon. Safely. Team building exercise. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> People throw axes and stuff. That shit's more dangerous than setting shit on fire. Flamethrowers are not that illegal, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never tried to buy one. I'm pretty, I, I, in the States anyway, I don't think they're illegal in the States. Oh, weird. Which is weird. I'll grant you. Uh, in Canada, I'm not so much. So this is what I thought was happening, but that's obviously not what was happening because she, there was things that took you out of that. She called her psychic and her psychic was living a normal life, right? There was kids running through, her place was a mess. She was obviously a a charlatan reading off of a list of, uh, you know, what her, what the planets say today. She's just listing off a can, a list of canned responses. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that took me out of that. It was like, okay, this is not. Uh, you know, a, a lab that this is actual reality. And so this is where it starts to fall apart. Is that, is it reality? Is it not reality? It's too unreal to be reality, but then we have reality. Why is this so unreal? That's an interesting take on it. Um, I sort of thought that the differences between Janet's lifestyle and the psychic's lifestyle were a, maybe a comment on difference. Uh, like a class structure comment a little bit, right? Because Janet lives in this big house. Clearly, I mean, if you assume that, you know, money is a thing here, clearly has a lot of money. Um, yeah. And the psychic has a different, <laughs> a very different life. I wasn't sure why we needed a class comment, a commentary on class structure in this episode. But you're right. It did feel, that scene did feel a little bit out of place to me. Um. And takes you out of it a little bit if you are trying to stay with, you know, Janet in her particular existence. Yeah. And then the last shot where she's on her way to pick up her egg uh, and she's in the parking lot and there's people running around her Mm -hmm. and there's shit on fire, like smoke coming out of buildings uh, behind her. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously, you know, it's the end of the world kind of thing. But it was, there were so many different things that were juxtaposed here. There were people still excited to get their egg that were obviously running to, uh, towards this building to get their egg. And then even she was doing it. Uh, the cars in the background on the road, were just cars on a background on a road. They were just driving in different directions, not really speeding, not really, uh, panicking. There was shit on fire in the background. Uh, it was very, very odd. Well, uh, I think, this, sorry. Well, I, was, I was just thinking that, uh, this, the road on the background, uh, obviously this was shot on in an actual parking lot with an actual road with cars going by behind her. And then all the smoke in the background and the tone, the color tone, the color palette was overlaid on top of that. Uh, so it obviously was shot that way, but it was just, it was so many different things going on that did not make sense in any kind of cohesive reality. Well, I think we need to step back for a minute too, because you're, you know, you, you make a good point about the ending, but what happens is we find out that the Canimates are abducting her and she ends up discussing things with the Canimate queen, which was interesting. And the queen reveals that they, their race, her race can't change their minds like human humans can because they all share like a brain. So it takes much more energy to change, change their mind. And what the Canimates have been doing is watching Earth's TV commercials to figure out what humanity is like. So they decide that people only want things. And in the current society, you know, 
well, in the current society, what that Jan Janet lives in, people don't even need commercials to think they want things anymore because she makes the point of people don't even watch commercials anymore. They just fast forward through them, right? Yeah. But the Canimates have decided that people are weakest when they want things. They'll do whatever they have to to get it. And so they have introduced the concept of the egg, knowing that people would want it, creating this artificial desire, weakening humanity, and allowing them to invade. Um, the other key here is that whatever the egg is or whatever is inside the egg kills the person once they get home with it. And that's what you were talking about when we saw her neighbor open her egg and then, you know, blood splatter oh, yeah. onto the wall. Pink foamy mist. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um, but, you know, the Canimates have figured out what human's biggest weakness is and then are distributing these eggs to kill them so that they can invade. And so the scene you're talking about at the end um, is Janet who was originally questioning her desire for this egg all along, eventually goes with it. And she goes back down to uh, Earth and she goes to the place where she's supposed to get her egg. I forget what they call it. Reconciliation Station? Fulfillment Center. Oh, Fulfillment Center, right, to get her egg. And she's in the parking lot and right, people are running around. Some of them are panicking. Some of them are ecstatic to have received their egg and they're running home with them back to their cars. There's stuff on fire. Smoke is burning. Janet kind of looks around and eventually, you know, her desire for it outweighs even the knowledge that it will kill her because the queen told her this is what's going to happen. Yes. And she goes to get her egg anyway. So possessions and consumerism and the desire to have the thing that will make your life better and the thing that everybody else has too will be the downfall of society is basically what we're getting at here and it's a really sobering and to be honest all too real theme you know yes and no i mean it also kind of took me out of reality like when the iphone first came to canada i got up at three o'clock in the morning and went down and got in line right i i did that i was that guy I went down to the Eaton Center and I got in line and I stood there until the fucking store opened at 10 o'clock in the morning. And that was a long time to stand in line. I think I was 21. I was the 21st person in line. So I'm not the first idiot to get in line, get up at three o'clock in the morning and get in line. Mm -hmm. Now, if I went down there and the Eaton Center was on fire, <laughs> I don't think I would have stood in line. <laughs> The Eaton Center I, is a, is a mall in downtown Toronto, in case anyone is, is wondering. And there's an Apple yeah. store in there, the first one in Canada. Well, it wasn't, they didn't have an Apple store at the time. Oh. Oddly enough, I went to the Fido store that was in that, uh, in that mall because I was, uh, a Fido, uh, customer at the time. Fido being one of our cellular providers. <laughs> yes. Right. It's, uh, it's an, it's basically a... Uh, a brand of Rogers. Right. And now I have to explain what Rogers is. Another one of our bigger cellular providers. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, again, reality, uh, she knows that this egg is going to kill her. I mean, sure. Maybe she wants to commit suicide and she wants to commit suicide in a way. Maybe she just doesn't give a shit about life anymore and wants the egg, uh, knowing that it'll kill her. But is that really consumerism? It's more of suicidal to me. Is it a comment on consumerism? Potentially, but again, the reality of the whole thing didn't make a lot of sense to me. Because the, it's the friggin' apocalypse. Aliens are invading. The next shot we see is goddamn flying saucers all over the place. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
do you really want the latest and greatest whatever the fuck if you're being invaded by aliens and everything's on fire? I, I can see that point. I didn't really think about it during the episode, but I can see what you're saying. Like, there's more going on here that would distract people from their desire for from the egg. But I, I could also argue that that just strengthens the theme that no matter what's happening around you, aliens are landing on the planet. You know that this egg's going to kill you and you still want it. I mean, that's pretty... That's a pretty damning commentary on our culture, at least, at least let's say Western culture, because I can't really comment on, you know, some other ones, but. Okay. So what I can get on board with was you replace egg with a goddamn cheeseburger. I understand, (laughs) right? Go and get the cheeseburger. I goddamn well know that that fucking thing might kill me, right? That plus, you know, however many more. I know that that is bad for me. But you eat it anyway. But to eat, you go get the goddamn hamburger or cheeseburger and you eat the damn thing. Every single bite you go in this thing is going to fucking kill me. So is that consumerism? Is that, you know, am I trying to replace uh, contentment with, you know, ground meat? I mean, it's it's definitely- Mostly ground meat? Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's definitely acting against your better interest. And it's- you know, it's your desire for something outweighs your knowledge that it can harm you. And, you know, that's one of the things this episode was trying to say. And I think it's asking us to think about that and evaluate our lives from that perspective a little bit, I think. Okay. I can, I can lean into this. I can get on board with this a little bit more. Again, replace the egg with cigarettes. And I completely understand. (laughs) We'll see. You just need to expand your, uh, you need to expand your yourself out of yourself a little bit more because I know yeah. your relationship with smoking. Uh, yeah. Which if you, ha- you combined a hamburger, an iPhone, and cigarettes <laughs> all into one amazing package, <laughs> I probably would go buy it. You'd jump off a building to get it if it was I'd, down on the sidewalk. Even if, you know, the buildings around it were on fire, I right. might still go get it. Okay. Well, there you go. See, that's, I think that's the point. Everyone, all right. everyone has their thing. Maybe that's another point too that they'll their their weakness everyone has their weakness and humanity's as a whole our weakness is our desire for status or stuff yeah and i'm pretty sure every cheeseburger uh you know to me represents that'll make me happy forever right that'll <laughs> solve all my problems forever i know when i'm in the store ordering it that's how i feel <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe not when i'm walking out the door 20 minutes later but you yeah. know all right. Well, there, there you go. Anything else about this episode, Jason? Um, you should watch more Gretchen Mall. Okay, fair. The notorious Betty Page. She was in that. I don't think I've ever actually seen that, but uh, oh, cool. She was she was in that, and you know, as as you know, Betty Page uh, took a lot of nude photographs. Well, she's a pin so does Gretchen model, Mall. They call them, yeah, don't they? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, she's a pinup. So Gretchen Mall playing Betty Page, for example. Okay. Well, that's or good. even um, Boardwalk Empire. She spent a you know fair amount of time nude in that show, but it was also very weird because she had uh, a very strange sexual relationship with her son. Ooh. So that gets a little weird. That sounds a little weird. Well, anyways, I'll watch more Gretchen Mall, but I want to say that I am happy to report that I think season two of The Twilight Zone did indeed end on a high note. Both these episodes I liked quite a bit, even though it took me a couple of tries to really understand uh, episode 10. And frankly, just sitting here talking about it with you, 
I think has enhanced my like for it a little bit because I've able to, I was able to sort of verbalize what I thought about the, the thematic elements to it. So great final two episodes. I'm happy to report. And, uh, you know, hopefully everyone out there agrees, but we'd love to hear I, I from agree. you. Which is weird because usually I like one episode and don't like the other one. Yeah. I like both of these episodes, even though this one had some issues that I had a hard time getting my head around. I still overall liked it because, because of those issues, because the, the, the fact that things were inconsistent, I couldn't put my finger on what the fuck was going on. Right. It's like, I don't know what's happening here. This is all very weird. She's floating around. Uh, it's not, not reality. It is reality because of this. It's, it's. You know, and all of a sudden, oh my God, there's aliens. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Hey you know? man, if there's aliens, you're on board. <laughs> yeah. True. All right. Well, that's it for our coverage of season two of Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone. I hope everyone enjoyed that. I know I had a great time talking about it and watching the episodes. And if we can make it happen, assuming there's a season three, I would love to cover that as well. But we'll have to see what happens with The Walking Dead and what's going on then. Um, but, you know, I would like to do it because it's a show I find really fascinating and enjoy talking about. So I hope everyone out there liked it or liked listening to us talk about it as well. And if you have any thoughts or comments on any of the Twilight Zone episodes, I'd be happy to do a little follow-up episode if you want. If you want to send in some emails or voicemails or whatever just on any of the episodes, that would be fine. Um, stay tuned at the end to hear how to contact us, which is uh, coming up very soon. One other quick thing, uh, just want to say thank you to everyone who supports us either on Patreon or via PayPal. Last time on the podcast, I mentioned that we actually have this uh, Public merch store where you can get shirts and masks and other things with our logo on it. Uh, and they were having a sale. And a couple of people actually did go and pick some things up. So uh, thank you to you people for doing that. Oh, um, yeah, check our website for the link to our Tee Public store if you happen to want to get a t-shirt or a hoodie or, you know, a, a laptop case cover with our logo on it. That's uh, kind of cool too. Um, so, so that's out there. And uh, I mentioned Patreon. You can... Check out our page at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, where you can become a uh, patron and make a small pledge. Or you can hit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to make a one-time contribution to the show. Thank you so much to everyone that does. And um, if you don't have any extra cash, no problem. No, Not to worry. Uh, if you want a, a great free way to support us is just go to Apple Podcasts or other podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. Ideally. Five stars or four stars if they only go up to four on their particular scale. Or seven stars. It depends on the scale. It really does. You know? And put as many stars as you feel is appropriate. You know, don't, don't feel obligated to put the maximum number of stars, uh, you know, just because we think that that's an excellent idea, you know, doesn't use your own, use your own judgment. Absolutely. Think for yourself, everyone. Don't get caught up in the endless desire of consumerism. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like Janet. All right. Uh, okay, so let's talk about what's coming up next on the podcast really quick. I have an email here, actually, from Tiffany in London. And Tiffany says that she'd been listening to some of our older podcasts, and she writes, I just heard you say that you won't podcast regularly for season six of Fear the Walking Dead. I know it's an ordeal to watch the show as it gets mediocre, but I enjoyed you talking about it much more than watching the show this season. 
She's talking about season uh, five. I got really annoyed mid-season, but I ended up watching all the episodes just to have the pleasure of listening to you guys talk about it. So, first of all, thank you so much, Tiffany, for listening. And I am delighted to hear that, you know, our conversations about it were helping you get through the show. Because season five of Fear and probably the second half of season four of Fear were not very good, in my opinion. And it was difficult. It was difficult to podcast them about them every week while it was it on. It was. It was. It was. It's hard to do stuff it, like it, that. It's, it really sucks the fun out of it when you are just constantly having to cover something that you're not enjoying, right? And so that kind of sucks. So we will not be recording regularly about Fear the Walking Dead Season 6. We're still going to be watching it. And we will still talk about it on the show here, but I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I think maybe what we'll do is cover it in chunks, you know, maybe do three episodes at a time or a quarter of the season and do four, four podcasts about the whole season, something like that. Just so we're sort of staying up to date, we're covering ways that it's, that it's related to the main show or the new show world beyond, um, and we're staying, you know, on top of all the information in the Walking Dead universe. But the week-to-week episodes about fear um, probably aren't going to happen. So I apologize for that. Maybe we should record, like, you know, when I'm taking recording in chunks about the show uh, to heart. Maybe we should record uh, every two and a half episodes. <laughs> Just stop in the right? middle of one? Just stop in the middle. Okay, we're done. And then come back next time. I wonder what happens in the back half of this episode. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> yeah. Just to know. make it as, it as annoying as possible to listen to. <laughs> right. I, don't, I really hey, don't think we should do that. If it's going to be annoying to watch, might as well make it annoying for, to listen to us. No, I don't. <laughs> Double whammy. Yeah. Don't like that idea. Uh, anyways, Tiffany also finally, she, she asked if we've ever done a podcast about Zombieland or a movie called Little Monsters. And the answer is no, I'm afraid we have no. not done a podcast about either of those. Uh, so they're on the table for some, at some point, although Zombieland and even Zombieland 2 at this point are a little bit, uh, I don't know, out of date, a little bit old. I've watched both of them. I'll say, I've I'll not tell you, seen Zombie, Zombieland 2. Well, I'll tell you, I liked both of them. Um, the second one to me had maybe not quite as good, but it had much of the same pleasures that I got from the first one. It's not that different a film. So, um, you know, I do, I did enjoy them. Little Monsters I'm not familiar with, so I'll have to look that one up. Uh, but I wanted to mention that we actually did chat about Amazon's Zombieland TV pilot episode they did that never went anywhere. You did? We did. That was all the way back on episode number 113 of this here podcast. So if you want to hear us talk about that, and maybe you already have, uh, go back to episode 113 and we talk about Zombieland, the TV show that Amazon tried to make. <laughs> I know. Right. I've forgotten more of the things we've talked about than, uh, than anything really over 495 <laughs> yeah. episodes. So, you know what I've discovered talking about, uh, not watching Zombieland 2, even though it's something that I am interested in watching. Yeah. Uh, I, you remember I've talked about Daredevil, you know, shows that are too good for me to watch that probably will, I, will, I will never watch. I have that same problem with movies that I want to watch, movies and TV that I want to watch. Uh, there's a chance that I may never watch them. 
Slumdog Millionaire, movie I've always wanted to see. It won a friggin' Oscar for crying out loud. Uh, I really want to want to see this movie. It's never come up. Well, it's, it has come up, but it's just you know when when deciding between watching something I really 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 want to watch and then watching a piece of shit goddamn documentary. I'll fl- I'll go to the documentary. I'll even watch a crappy movie uh, more than I'll watch a movie that I want to see. Interesting. And I don't know why that is. It's like even when I was at the cottage. Uh, you know, last week when I was on vacation, I brought my iPad up. I put movies on there. I put movies on there that I really want to see. I'm like, okay, I'm going to fill it with stuff I want to see. And then I, on a whim, I put some other crap on there. And so I'm looking at the movies that I really want to see. And I'm like, do I really want to watch that? Or do I want to watch this documentary about the biosphere? I think I'm going to watch the documentary about the biosphere. (laughs) (laughs) And I did. There you go. And it wasn't that great. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's too bad. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I know the feeling. I'll be honest. I know what you're talking about. There are a long list of movies that I want to watch. I haven't seen, but then when it comes right down to it, I'm flipping through the, the library on Netflix or whatever. I'm like, oh yeah, I've wanted to see that movie for a long time, but instead I'm just going to put on this other one that I've already seen before because, you know, I can just sit here and zone out, but yeah. Oh my God. Uh, you know, Russian Dolls. I, I really want to see that. That's on Netflix, right? Yeah. Every once in a while, I'm like, yeah, I really should watch this. I've heard good things about it. I really want to see it. And then all of a sudden, I find myself watching the third season at 24. Again. Right? Again. Yeah. Like the third time I've seen it, and it's, and I'm watching it, and I'm watching Jack Bauer fucking torture somebody, and I'm going, this is propaganda for the torture that they did after 9-11, and justifying it that uh, Kiefer Sutherland will do whatever it takes, regardless of the rules, uh, rule of law, or, you know, basic decency, in order to achieve the uh, save the world thing. It, it's It's propaganda. It's downright fucking propaganda. And I'm goddamn well watching it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's something to be said for putting on something that is just sort of comforting and cozy. I mean, I mean, comforting it, not, I don't mean watching that kind of thing is comforting, but you're familiar with it, right? That's why yeah. I watch Hot Fuzz so much because I love the movie. And I'm like, oh, what a great film, you know, Hot <laughs> Fuzz or, or Back to the Future, you know, I could watch it over and over yeah. again because it's just so warm and fuzzy and familiar, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyways. Now, that was a detour, but what I actually wanted to get here, get to here was next week on the podcast, and it will only be a week this time, I'm excited to say. We're going back to a weekly schedule from now until uh, the season finale of The Walking Dead. And, but next <laughs> Was week, it hard not to say premiere? Well, it kind of was, because it doesn't feel like a season finale, because we've waited six months for it, but yep. it is season finale, October 4th. We are going to be recording... Every week between now and then on a variety of different things. The first thing I can announce, I announced it last week too, so it's not a big surprise, but a movie called Blood Quantum. We are going to watch a movie called Blood Quantum and talk about it next week on the podcast. It is um, an indigenous or Canadian film zombie movie that was recommended to us by a listener and you can find it streaming on Shudder. If you subscribe to that platform, and if you've never subscribed, I believe they do have a free trial still you can uh, take advantage of. It's also available on Apple TV, Google Play, etc. You know, all the services, so you can find it if you need to. So that'll be Blood Quantum. 
in a week from now. If you have any comments, if you watch it and have any comments or thoughts, absolutely send them in. I would love to incorporate them into the podcast next week. After that, there'll be some other stuff to do, but we will talk about those next week at the end after Blood Quantum. Surely. All right. So that's it for this uh, episode, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to get in touch with us on any of these topics, check out TalkingDeadPodcast.com and click on Send Voicemail at the top. That'll allow you to record a message and get it right to us. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dead. Or send all your email correspondence to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it. So thanks so much, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.